Child, am I the only one who ever experiences like the stress body rebellion? So you've got um, bloating, nausea, upset stomach, indigestion, diarrhea, or it could be a combination of any of those or one or a couple of those, whatever. So recently for me, I honestly, I don't even know if this comes with age or if this is just like a, a mind thing, but literally whenever I feel myself getting stressed out, I can all of a sudden feel, um, I can feel like my stomach just getting out of control. Well, first of all, here we are 52 seconds in and all you've been hearing about is that I need to take some Pepto-Bismol. You are tuned in to episode 137 and it's an all new episode of A Seat at the Table podcast. Thank you for listening. And you're here, and I'm so excited. So, first of all, for many of you who have been longtime listeners, I know that it's been like this is probably the second sabbatical that I've had to take um, in the span of the three years that I have been on air. Um, or at least in the span of the three years that I have been um doing the show and uh at least doing the show consistently, right? So I think I had like one other sabbatical that I took maybe about uh, a year and a half ago. Any which way, for many of you, you may be asking what the fuck happened, right? So long story short, this is not like a Joe Button podcast situation, which we will get to that but uh, basically what happened is there are 9,486,004 active podcasts out there. And maybe there aren't that many, but there are a lot of active podcasts out there. And as an independent podcaster, um, I think a lot of the the inner workings of dealing in media and um, understanding regulations and using uh, uh, whether it is songs or lyrics or whatever that's not yours, who knows, right? Um, and so in the process, my this podcast has been appearing on YouTube for, I don't know, years now. So it's not an actual live version. It is a version that you can go to YouTube and have an audio of. Um, at any rate, uh, someone reported this podcast. Now, I know it wasn't one of y'all. I know it wasn't one of you niggas. But yeah, someone reported a seat at the table podcast. Now, when I, the way that I received the information was, hey, um, your podcast has been flagged for copyright infringement. No further details were given. And so it came down to, uh, we're going to investigate and we'll figure it out. Now, I don't have a million dollars worth of lawyers to protect the sanctity of a seat at the table. But nonetheless, I decided that maybe it was time for me and for us to just take a break and regroup, right? So 
that's what I gave myself the opportunity to do. So what's been going on, honey? How are you doing? How are the kids? How's the job? How's the man? How's the woman? Uh, hold on. Let's just light the blunt in the, in, the, in the immortal words of the one Katrina Laverne Taylor. You guys aren't as personable with her, but that's our girl, Trina. Light the blunt, yo. So... What has been going on in your world? Mm, mm-hmm. Mm, mm. A little brownies for my brownie, yes. Um, on this side of the pond, there's been lots happening here in New York City. Legalization of marijuana has become a thing. Um, and for many people... It is still like, what does that mean for New York City, right? What what does legalized marijuana actually mean for New York City? Well, uh, it is now, and you know, shout out to Governor Cuomo, because I think that in facing his own public marring, uh, in the media with much backlash about sexual assault allegations, Governor Cuomo dropped this nice little anvil on the city. So the law allows for you to cultivate up to six marijuana plants, three mature and three seedlings, and for up to 12 per household if you live with another adult. However, you can't grow them right away. You have to wait six months after the law has passed. Now, the law passed in April, so you're that's going to put you... Uh, probably about the 10-month mark, so October, right? And um, there's a couple of other things that we should all know. Now, entrepreneurs will eventually be able to apply to the state for licenses to open up storefronts and dispensaries and hookah-style bars and yada, 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 bakeries, restaurants, hemp and marijuana, yoga studios, hotels, whatever you want, right? Um, however, in as little as, uh, six years, the marijuana industry has generated $2.6 billion. So I know that the city is really looking to capitalize on that front. Um, so, uh, basically I'm really, honestly, this is all really new for me, but, um, at any rate, uh, you are now allowed to consume marijuana in your homes. Um, there are having a, a certain amount of allowable uh, marijuana on you if you are caught in the city driving. Uh, police can't actually pull you over, I think is what I, I heard. But um, they basically want to scale up um, dealers and what have you. I don't know if a lot of you have noticed, but it has been a little bit more difficult to procure um, some good weed now. And I don't know if that is because it has become legal, but um, 
Basically, you can possess up to three ounces of marijuana, which is probably the equivalent to uh, 50 to 75 joints if you want. Um, Police cannot arrest you for carrying a small amount of pot on you. Prosecutors are not going to run you through the system now. Um, Cops can't charge someone for selling marijuana unless they observe cash being exchanged. But it's still legal, illegal to drive under the influence of marijuana. And the cops can pull you over for being impaired. Now, where can you smoke? Smoking is still strictly prohibited in the parks or in any public um, New York City owned area. Um, that also includes offices, restaurants, bars, the subway. You can still be ticketed, um, if you live in public housing or are on any of their grounds. It is still illegal for you to, um, to consume in these areas. Um, so that leaves sidewalks, streets, the side of a parked car, your roof, your home, um, or whatever you'd want to consider your personal space as fair game. So shout out to everybody in New York City. This buds for you. So really excited about that. Um, So let's, let's get to what is, I mean, let's just drill down from the very beginning, right? So... Because we are going to try to cap this show at about 45 minutes. So we're going to make every minute count. So a couple of weeks ago, if you are a huge fan like I am of the Joe Button podcast, you may have been noticing that there has been tension building for quite some time between the co-hosts. Even one co-host so much as offering to fight the other um, in a boxing style match. Needless to say... This led to a prolonged vacation for uh, Maul and Rory and um, accusations being hurled about um, bad contracts and thievery and all kind of other things. Needless to say, I essentially at first thought that this was, you know, a joke. I didn't think it was real. Um, And then... It became apparent as, you know, Joe was making this the central topic of several shows that this was, in fact, a bigger deal than just, um, you know, a publicity stunt. Because in a lot of ways, I just thought that this was them drumming up some more drama, if you will for what was happening around or with the show. I really had no idea. I just thought it was all fun and games. Um, The way that they've been talking to each other in the media, uh, the way that Joe has been talking about um, firing the both of them and how he it's kind of been a so what situation. It's been really sad to witness, but nonetheless, not surprising. Um, you know, I think for me, it's if I, I don't know any of these gentlemen personally, but what I can observe is that 
there is a huge amount of things that are now being said that perhaps there had been too many skipped opportunities to have those conversations between each other. One thing that I've learned from doing this podcast is that it is <sighs> talking to people through your podcast um, is a recipe for disaster. And I say that only because I have experienced situations where perhaps I've misspoke or spoke out of turn um, when I could have just spoken directly to the person I used this platform to either address them directly or address the situation, both of which are ridiculous. It's to me the same thing as using any social media platform to address someone that you could, if you have their number and can address them personally, do so. If the opportunity presents itself now, if the opportunity does not present itself because this person, you know, doesn't see fit or doesn't really care to have certain conversations with you, then I think that's one thing. But I think it's a completely different situation when it is just an ignoring, if you will, of um, an opportunity. So prayers up to all parties involved. I think it's really, um, it's sad. Uh, so in other news, uh, you guys, outside is opening up. And the question I want to know to the vaxxed and unvaxxed is, will you be going outside without your mask on? Now that it is being said to that if you are vaxxed, you can in fact go outside. Now, in my mind, what is it for people to just not um, lie and say they've been vaxxed when in fact that is not the case? Um, I think that it's been really, really interesting that the government and the country is taking steps towards taking really aggressive steps towards opening up outside. And I partially wonder if the capitalist society that we're facing, and I don't know if you've been paying attention to the job numbers, um, but job numbers are basically supporting the fact that um, there is right now, Not much has changed. Unemployment rose for the month of April by nearly a quarter of the million, a quarter of a million. And the unemployment rate is been steady at 6%, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Now, one other thing to note is that um, a lot of people are not wanting to get jobs. A lot of people are wanting to basically stay on unemployment and um, reap the supplemental income increase that has been coming through from unemployment. Um, in, in April, employment in leisure and hospitality 
increased by a little bit over quarter of a million. However, in the overall job market sector, it is proven that people are just not wanting to return back to work. Now, here's my question to you. What is keeping you guys from wanting to go back to work? Now, I can speak on a personal level in saying that it is really with much due experience because I've worked through the entire pandemic, not really much time off, maybe about a couple of weeks between jobs and maybe two weeks in my previous job before moving on to the next gig, but As far as I'm concerned, I think a lot more people are wanting to explore the opportunity of becoming entrepreneurs, right? So back in the day, for me, I just had this conversation with someone that back in the day, a lot of people who were kind of in limbo, not feeling great about their current job situation and not knowing what the market would bring in terms of can they just jump out the window and find a new job or should they just stay and grit their teeth and bear it? A lot of people would look for the next level of success by saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to go back to school. That's the only way for me to figure out you know, my way through a bad employment situation. I'm going to go back to school and either get an advanced degree or switch degrees altogether and see what other options I have out there, right? Well, now people are kind of shucking the idea of even going back to school and saying, you know what, I'm going to take a chance on myself. And while that's admirable, I have to wonder, Are y'all making it out here? Like, how is that going? You know, while I applaud everyone for, um, you know, taking a chance on themselves, I mean, if we're going to be honest about how it is to succeed in the entrepreneurial game, it's difficult at best. And so people are taking a lot of risk and taking a lot of chances and hoping to God that they are able to balance their personal fulfillment and responsibilities with wanting to chase their dreams. I would love to understand from you guys how you're doing it because I all, but in the process of you know, taking the sabbatical, for a while I thought to myself, do I just need to step away from from even doing this? Do I need to just figure out something else for myself? It's it's been interesting. Um so you guys uh shout out to uh Ludacris and his wife who are expecting a new baby. There's a bunch of people who are expecting babies right now, right? So Ludacris and his wife, um, there was someone else. Um, Is it Lance Gross and his wife? I don't know. There's a lot of people expecting babies out there. A lot of people who are perhaps a little bit more mature in age who might be expecting kids out there, but shout out to you guys. Uh, 
in more recent news, uh, Felicia Rashad has been named Dean of Howard University's College of Fine Arts. Now, I don't know about you, but that 1000% makes me want to go back to school and maybe pursue a career in arts, right? I don't know, but it's definitely something that I've thought about. What If you could go back to school and do it all again, or if you never got a chance to go, what would you major in right now? I think I would do fine arts. I think I would. I would do like acting or um, or uh, costume design, something like that. Definitely still an artiste. Uh, so after almost uh, 20 years on air, Ellen DeGeneres has decided that it will be her last season, I think, for 2022. Am I not mistaken? That's going to be her last season. I haven't watched the Ellen show in, I don't know, months. But, I mean, okay. Have you guys, lots of new music this week. Nicki Minaj, uh, J. Cole. Uh, any of you guys interested in any of that stuff? I think the Migos dropped something. So, are we going to talk about Nicki's new breast or not? Nah? I love, like, Nikki is, (sighs) are we not talking about her breast? She's, maybe she's still breastfeeding, but them things looked large and in charge, Nikkei, okay? Um, I thought she looked amazing. She did a series of, um, it looked like she did some lives and she she's had a lot to say this week with the release of her um with the release of her new um mixtape uh i guess it was like a reissuing of an existing mixtape uh so she released a new track on there called seeing green featuring uh young money's very own uh drake and little wayne I thought it was good. I, I think, um, you know, I'm a huge Nicki Minaj fan. So I just, a lot of people have not been talking about the untimely passing of her dad. If you recall this February, I believe, her dad who reside out in Long Island um, was tragically ran over by a motorist who then left him in the street to where he met his untimely demise. So, you know, shout out to Nicki Minaj and her titties and um, this new mixtape. Great on you. Or I guess it's not a new mixtape. It's just a re-release of what exists. All right, y'all. So let's take a second to talk about Portia and Fallon. What do you have to, what, what's, what, what say you? Now, if you have not been watching this season's Real Housewives of Atlanta, 
you have missed the season because I believe that we are either on the last episode of the three-part reunion. God damn it. Can't Andy Cohen drag those fucking reunions out, child? Good Lordy, have mercy. That reunion special for Real Housewives of Atlanta this season could have been one show because the season was not that interesting. I think the arc of the season was... um, Cynthia getting married during COVID, which, okay, she got married during COVID. It was gross, you know, like no shade, Cynthia. I love her. But to have a an event like that during a, a pan a panorama was crazy. Um, we were introduced to a couple of new characters this season. And I call them characters because honestly, characters, right? So we were introduced to Drew Sedora, who played Drew Sedora on the game. (laughs) And we were also introduced to a beautiful young lady, Fallon Gubadaya, right? That's how you say it. So Fallon, who was introduced to us this season as a friend of Portia Williams, um, was introduced as a mom of uh, wife and mother to several children. Um, unbeknownst to us during the time, her age, it has been thus revealed to us because Fallon celebrated a birthday this week that she, in fact, is 32 and is the wife or ex-wife or current wife of a entrepreneur based out of Atlanta. Well, uh, on Mother's Day, um, Portia Williams, who has been a longstanding housewives uh, character, posted a image, a couple of images of herself and her baby's daddy and Fallon's husband. And in the images, Portia could be seen kind of turning her body toward Fallon's husband and putting her hands on his uh, on his chest. So going a little bit further, uh, it was then later revealed that Portia is in fact not only seeing Fallon's husband, but after a brief relationship is also engaged to this man, right? Now, this left a lot of us feeling like, wait, pero how could she be engaged? I thought she was a friend. Like, what is happening right now? Well, what happened is still a little bit confusing to me because not that it's our place to actually know what in fact how this relationship transpired or how long it's been going on or for what reason or whatever you know i think the most interesting thing is number 1 Portia has managed to spin this into a three-part Bravo special um, that will start filming this summer, according to page six. Um, her ex-fiance, her new fiance, Simon Gubadaya, will be featured in a part of this three-part spinoff. Um, 
You have all been calling Portia everything but a child of God in this process. Um, listen, I don't even... Obviously, she put all this stuff out there because she wanted us to know. Obviously, Portia does not really care if we know. I'm just going to say that... Um, I'm just going to say that Simon has expressed that he has wanted to um, be on the show or be on a show. Um, it is not known to me as to whether or not Fallon and Portia were really, in fact, friends. And honestly, we found out a lot about entanglements during COVID, right? More than we wanted to. I think that this is just a lot of grist for the mill for the Bravo fans. Do I really think that Portia and Simon are hot and heavy in the streets? I don't really know. I mean, I feel like if you live in Atlanta, getting you a rich African is kind of like the thing to do, right? Like if you live in Atlanta and you don't have a rich African, what say you? Get you a, a rapper or something, but... None of this is surprising to me. And also, I I just don't know. I this this uh, Listen. Even Nene Leaks got slammed for congratulating Portia on her seemingly beaming lights of happiness. I say congratulations to her too, like whatever. And I, 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 whatever, y'all. Um, during our brief hiatus between us, uh, we lost DMX. Rest in peace to DMX. Um, tomorrow night on TV One, his last interview will be, or I believe it will be starting tonight on TV One. His last filmed interview will appear tonight, and a follow up will appear. Um, tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, shout out to DMX and his family and shout out to TV one on, uh, his final interview. Uh, Atlanta season three. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Uh, TV has become really boring. Now I am probably one of very few people who does not watch Snowfall. Oh, get leave me alone. I know, I know, I know. I should be watching the show, but I don't. But speaking of shows to get into, this week Netflix just premiered a new um, episode series by uh, Ryan Murphy and team Halston. Now, if you guys haven't started watching that, please, 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 for all of the fashionistas out there, please watch this. I am aghast by Halston's fetishizing of black men and how much they included that, how much heavy drug use there was, how much heavy, like the chain smoking, the drug use, 
the stereotypical twink white boy gay behavior. If you have not watched this Halston, there is a lot of sex in it. I think it's amazing. Shout out to Ryan Murphy. Shout out to the girls who are also watching um, this final season of Pose, as well as the HBO Max series, I think it's called Legend, where there are several houses featured. Um, Shout out to the House of Ninja. Shout out to the House of Prodigy. Um, Those are two houses that I know several members and I am super happy for. Um, I have not been watching the show, however, because Uh, you know, I haven't gotten to it yet. There's so much TV that I need to get to. Okay. Um, what else do we need to talk about? Like, I just feel like there's so much going on or that has gone on right since we've been gone. Since y'all been gone. Girl, don't get me to sing it. Cause next thing you know, you behoves will be reporting my shit. Um, all right. Well, Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll take a quick commercial break. We will come back. Yeah, let's do that. All right. And we are back. So hopefully you're not a new listener to A Seat at the Table podcast. But if you are, what my full intention always is, is to provide a place where you do not feel alone, a place where you always know that you have a friend, a place where you always know you have a seat, a place where you always know that you are valued, and a place that you know that, hey, regardless of what your opinion is, you get to have it, right? Um, but there's also another part to this exchange that seldomly discussed issues can oftentimes be placed right in front of you. And for me, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy bringing the idea that things that you don't really feel like you hear about enough or the things that you feel like, God, I wish that someone was talking about this right now. Well, I'm hoping that this is a place that you can feel fulfilled in that area, right? So enjoy this pull-up. Now, what's the pull-up, you ask? The pull-up is when we have cackled and dished tea to ourselves and to each other for long enough. And now there's an opportunity for us to take a breath and discuss what's been on our mind and what's been on our heart. So for me, one of the things that's been plaguing me for all this time that I've been away is that if you have been a longtime listener, you know that the ugly two-step sisters oftentimes can rear their heads in my life. Anxiety and depression. Now, I know that I'm not alone in this. Many people suffer from anxiety, depression, self-sabotage, all kind of issues. Now, being a woman of a certain age, I am going to be 42 this year. I am loving 41. What I've discovered is that the aging process can be rather uncomfortable. There are a lot of abrupt changes that are happening in my life right now. And 
there aren't a lot of people who have talked to me or are talking to me about what's this weirdness that I'm feeling, right? And if you are asking, we'll be a little bit more specific. Now, I know what it feels like to suffer from depression, right? Oftentimes, it's prolonged periods of sadness, prolonged periods of of emptiness, the sense of not being attached to anything, the sense of being lost and not being able to particularly attach it to one situation and or one person or and or feeling. It's just it's a spiral for you, right? Um, and so lately I've been feeling like, well, I'm not depressed about any particular thing. I do feel a sense of anxiety about a myriad of things happening in my life, but I don't feel depressed. I feel unmotivated. I feel unable to connect. I feel unfulfilled. I feel like this intense feeling of just reminiscing a lot. I feel boredom. I feel emptiness. I feel like I'm buffering and I can't connect to anything. I feel impulsive. I feel dramatic. I feel a lot of thoughts about infidelity, about commitment, about what that looks like. Comparing myself to people, comparing myself to People I don't even know who just at least look happier and more fulfilled than I do. You know, feeling like a lot of regret about different things. Um, Things that I've once found um, enjoyable. I don't find enjoyable anymore. My sleeping habits are fucked, right? So... I've been noticing that I have been feeling that for quite some time. Now, I'm not one to self-diagnose because that's oftentimes dangerous and could lead you down a path where you are also self-medicating and treating issues that don't need to be treated and also giving yourself new issues that now need to be treated, right? Now, depression is a significant concern no matter what age you are. But when you are looking at being a specific age, in a specific age group, oftentimes, for me, speaking on a personal level, um, I always thought that midlife was going to be like, I don't know, when niggas say shit like midlife, I didn't think they were talking about me. I thought they were talking about y'all niggas, like older people. But then when I took a stock and started to pre my own age, I realized, holy shit, they might be talking about me. Now, for most of you, you may not realize, but midlife is considered 35 to 55. Now, for me, I thought midlife was like, I don't know, 46 to, I don't know, 60-something, 50-something to maybe 70. I thought niggas was living longer, so I didn't think you guys were talking about me when you were talking about a midlife crisis, right? (sighs) Well, the most common age for midlife crisis actually ranges between 35 and 55 with some very variability between genders. Now, there can be an overlap in symptoms of midlife crises and also depression. 
Now, in order for you to figure out the difference between the two, you have to consider symptoms of midlife crisis, which are common in both men and women. You may be feeling unfulfilled. You may be feeling intense feelings of chronic nostalgia, etc. You may have changes in your appetite, changes in your body weight, withdrawing from social interactions, elevated feelings of anxiety, fear, worry, etc., etc., right? Well, how do you know that that's not just depression? Well, major depression isn't linked to particular age or period in your life. It's a disease that can strike at any given time, any given one, whether there are feelings of satisfaction or contentment in their lives. See, one of the things that it has been oftentimes hard for me to communicate to loved ones, right? Because in the process of feeling anxiety and feeling like, am I depressed right now or am I going through a midlife crisis? People who have known me the most or people who know me, who know me very well, one of the t- things that I often realize with people who know me well is when I am going through an issue, right? Their first inclination when I start to tell them what's going on is for them to immediately start spouting out fixes, right? And I say that with quotation marks. So they instantly go into therapist mode or what they like to feel is therapist mode. Now, one thing that I could say for myself is oftentimes when I go into that mode, it is because I love the person and I feel like I want to help make things better. But one of the things that I have also learned in through therapy and just active listening is it is important that you ask people when they are telling you about particular situations in their life. It is important that you ascertain from those people. Do you want me to just listen right now? Do you want me to provide helpful, what I find to be helpful solutions right now? Are you just listening or do you just need a sounding board right now? What is it that you need in this interaction? Because I've been finding that people have been feeling like they need to diagnose me in in the interaction of me telling them what's going on, right? So a lot of times people will say stuff like, well, yo, you're just depressed. Like you just need to like whatever, whatever, right? So to get someone to understand that depression has nothing to do with goal-directed behavior. Um, Like a person can't become depressed by trying to or wanting to. Likewise, they can't move past depression by a sheer force of will, right? So that's the difference between a midlife crisis versus depression. A midlife crisis involves a person questioning their identity as they leave a certain trajectory in their life. So successfully resolving a midlife crisis means making peace with where you are at right now, right? Whereas depression has nothing to do with where you're at right now. Right. Sheer will cannot get you past depression. Right. So. A midlife crisis may involve you kind of successfully wanting to make peace with where you're at, 
but it could be also learning to cope with the challenges that are happening around you in this current time. Now, I'm able to take a lot of solace in kind of just getting present. I'm okay in this moment. I'm fine in this moment. Nothing is seeking to harm me in this moment, right? But it's important that I understand that in this moment, I do not need to make a hasty decision. I just need to remember to take the edge off. It's okay. One of the things that I have been feeling is like sharp, right? And when I say sharp, I've been feeling edgy. So in realizing that that has nothing to do with depression, and I, in fact, don't feel depressed, it's been kind of, okay, so I feel anxiety and I feel a sense of being unkind to myself and being unkind to others. If you've given thought to, you know, dissolving a relationship or um, you're deciding in that moment to reflect on things going on, on around you, no matter what you decide, right? No matter what you decide in your life, you remember that you're always part of a bigger connection. And it's okay for you to be kind to yourself and to others. Trust people to be who they are going to be. Trust yourself. Okay, so maybe you don't have all the answers right now. Maybe you don't know like how you're going to fix things. Maybe you don't know if you're ready to move on or et cetera, et cetera. But what you do know is that you're okay right now. And it is okay for you to be kind to yourself, even when it feels like the world is not. It is okay for you to disconnect. It is okay for you to draw boundaries. It is okay for you to fluctuate in your weight in this time, right? It is okay for you to be apathetic. It's okay for you to lose interest in some shit right now, right? To think every day that you're going to be positive and to, that you're going to be kind of at your tip top, honestly, that's not realistic, you just have to be resolute that regardless of what's going on, you're going to move forward. You're going to let whatever happened in the past go and you're going to get grounded in the present. Listen, even I have great feelings of inadequacy. Maybe it's time for me to kind of think about what it means to be midlife. I don't feel midlife. I mean, shit, I didn't know at 35 that that was me being midlife and not even realizing that like I needed to connect to something. I was worried about where I was going. I'm still worried about where I'm going. I still feel like a 41-year-old who doesn't even know what the next move is. And it's okay to be booting up for the next journey. No one said that your life was going to look just like your neighbors. And that's okay. Instead of making impulsive decisions right now, rethink where you're at in your life. Rethink the, th the term midlife. Maybe you're not in crisis. Maybe you're in reflection. Reflection. 
And that's okay. So if you've been wondering what the fuck is going on with me and why can't I connect? Well, maybe you're going through a midlife reflection. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Be okay with where you're at today. And not every day you're going to be a fucking superhero. Who said you needed to? Listen, I love you guys for listening. I love you for tuning back in. You can find us. That's right, I say us because this is an interactive experience. And you can find us, a seat at the table pod, all one word on Instagram. You can also find me, Gail Zhurst, on Twitter. I love you guys for listening. Peace.